0: Growing up poor taught me a lot. What has your past taught you? Negative, positive, hard lessons? Everyone has a past. How do we use the past to teach us lessons to help design our future? Hey, all you future forexers out there, thank you for joining me once again. This podcast that is aptly named Real Estate with Kelly is in the third season, and we're pleased to be bringing you over 100 episodes that are jam-packed with information to help real estate agents level up and crush their goals. I hope this is you. If you've been listening for some time now, thank you, and I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We do interviews, solo episodes, and sometimes we let you in on some of our group coaching sessions. Lots of variety here for you. And today, I'm gonna get personal with you and share a little bit about my life and, and maybe you'll relate to some of these things. My goal is to give you hope, to motivate you, to give you maybe another level of belief. Newer real estate agents. Are you making $150,000 or more in real estate this year? How would you like to believe with 100% certainty that you will? What if you knew exactly what to do every day to make money in real estate? Are you the type of person that will do the work, serve the people well? You would devote a good portion of the day on focused activities and habits to drive business if you just knew what to do. Does cold calling or door knocking or paying for leads freak you out? Good, because it freaks me out too. Are you working part-time and afraid to leave the job to go full-time into real estate? Am I speaking to you right now? Give me 15 minutes and I know I can help you. Go to 4 to learn how I created a recipe for success that anyone can do. You have the ingredients to be successful within you right now. You just need to know what to do. Learn how I earn multiple six figures working less than 40 hours a week. And here's the kicker. I get paid every single month. Want to learn how? Go to 4 xformula.com the number 4 xformula.com you know everyone has some pivotal things that happen in their lives some something that, that was maybe a paradigm shift in thinking or 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 maybe it's something that you just remember that triggers a thought a pattern or or maybe some habitual thoughts or beliefs that have either hampered your success or contributed to your success in some way the truth is i don't advocate looking backwards i always say you don't drive a car looking only in the rear view mirror when there's an enormous windshield there that you should be looking through right if you focus only on the rearview mirror you're gonna crash cutting your path to your destination on your or your future or your desired outcome short right by either hitting another car going into a ditch or maybe hitting a tree or worse yet maybe a person right it's not a good idea to miss out on what's coming up or, or take our focus off of the destination or where we wanna go and and obsess about the past. That's not healthy. But it's important to take lessons from the past and think about it once in a while to give us insights into things that maybe seem to slow us down or, or threaten us or follow us around everywhere, you know? There's things in our past that we need to lose. We need to take corrective action and eliminate some thought patterns and and maybe, you know, make sure that we're aware of our blind spots so that we don't repeat negative patterns. Does that make sense? So my plan today is to share some stuff from my past with you to perhaps see if you relate or or maybe give you some tools to see maybe your own blind spots, because we all have blind spots, right? So today I'm going to tell a story that is about understanding independence and self-reliance. And and this would serve me very well in the first part of my success journey, but then it, it would be something that I would have to work on later in life. I'm not gonna get into that part of it. I'm just gonna get into the first lesson in that first stage in, in this podcast today. I remember when I was 11 years old and, and I was about to turn 12 on my birthdays at the end of August, and I wanted to play hockey. My parents told me how much money it would cost to play hockey to purchase all of the equipment pay for the registration fees and all that stuff and basically my parents told me that they couldn't afford it they just didn't have the money but my mom told me you know what if i could ride my bike over to a couple raspberry farms and i could see if i can earn enough money by the end of the summer to pay to play hockey so that's what i did I picked a lot of berries i worked some long days eight hour days as a 12 year old standing in the hot sun getting my arms all scratched up from the thorns on the raspberry bushes all day long but you know what i had a goal i had to make enough money to play hockey and at the end of each hot summer day i remember going to sleep at night totally exhausted and i would see nothing when i closed my eyes i would see nothing but raspberries <laughs> just these shapes of raspberries and it's like you know, I've been looking at these raspberries all day, eight hours, and, and I guess the image of these raspberries was burnt into my eyelids or something, <laughs> anyway. But you know what, I succeeded. Now, people would joke and say, well, how many berries did you eat? You know, but not many was actually my answer. A few here and there, of course, but I was so focused on getting my tray to meet the weight to qualify for payment each time throughout the day that I was more focused on speed and picking the right berries. I had a defined goal. I knew the amount of money I needed to earn to get the ultimate goal of playing hockey. And I did it. I picked enough berries that summer to earn enough money to buy my hockey equipment and pay for my registration fees. And I would later learn that this was in the early 80s when interest rates rose to like 20 and 21%. And we had a farm that sold eggs to Safeway. And here's the thing, when when interest rates rise and, and... You just can't go to Safeway and say, hey, we need you to pay more money now for eggs because we can barely make our mortgage payment. You know, it was a very stressful time for my parents. And to compound that, you've got this kid going, hey, mom and dad, I wanna play hockey, you know? I wonder how it felt for them to tell me to go pick berries at 11 years old. But you know, the lesson that they taught me would prove to be invaluable. My parents were stressed about money. Basically, most of the time that we lived on that farm, they were stressed about money. One thing my parents did pay for was hockey camp, and that's where I learned how to skate. (laughs) It was a one week camp and by the end of it, I knew how to skate well enough to get this little award, the most improved player. (laughs) But prior to that, I had never even put skates on before. So a little detail that I forgot, you know, before deciding to embark on my mission to play hockey. Oh yeah, I probably need to know how to skate. Anyway. I picked enough berries that year to play that year and 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 then next summer i picked berries again and i earned enough to pay for the registration fees again and this time i wanted to buy some clothes for school and i I thought i would use the same equipment from the prior year but another detail that i forgot to consider was i grew a little bit so as the year progressed my feet would be numb when i took my skates off it would take about five or ten minutes for them to kind of dissipate in my shoes and and I'd be able to walk normal again, but then my shin pads barely covered my shins. My shoulder pads were tight and barely covered my shoulders. But you know what, I made it work. And I knew that the next year I was gonna have to buy equipment all over again. And so that was basically the end of my hockey career in Canada here, but uh, I was okay with it. Mission accomplished, I played hockey. The cost of registration actually went up and, and equipment started to get more expensive. I don't know why, but it just seemed like it was just unreachable at the time. And But I I'd, I'd achieved the goal. It was time to move on. Besides, soccer was now my sport and it was a lot cheaper to play. And I love soccer, so it was all good. But that lesson that I learned as an 11 year old boy turning 12 at the end of that summer taught me that if I wanted to do something, I just had to look for a solution and go out there and I had to get it. I had to make it happen. Make a goal and then do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Solutions are out there, they are out there. And sometimes we just have to get outside of our comfort zone, the stuff that's immediately in front of us. Sometimes we have to get out of that to allow us to see other things. And, and that's kind of what makes things happen sometimes. It was super uncomfortable to get on my bike and ride around looking for berry farms My mom didn't put me in her car and take me over there and then approach the owner of the farm for me with me standing beside her, like we see a lot of people doing today, right? Basically getting me the job. She didn't do that. She didn't do that at all. She offered a solution and it was up to me to take that idea and run with it or not. Now i could have decided that it was too uncomfortable and just stay home for the summer and help out around the farm and decide i'm not going to play hockey and i could just play with my friends in the neighborhood and, and i and i could have done that and i'm sure my parents would have not thought any less of me for doing that it would have been just fine i'm an 11 year old kid you know but the goal of playing hockey was powerful enough for me to cause me to overcome that obstacle and honestly i don't really remember stressing about it i had a goal And this was a solution that was presented to me, and it was just simple as that, really. My parents were busy running the farm. My mom had to work at a job at Woolworths at the time, which is not even around anymore, to make some extra income just to help pay the mortgage and the feed bill for our chickens. And as the oldest child, she was teaching me how to cook dinners for the family to help out the family. She didn't have time to go help me get a job. So... I had to rely on myself. I had to get on my bike. I had to ride over to the farm. I had to kind of wander around looking for the owner on this farm who, I had to find him on this farm. And it was weird, it was uncomfortable. And then I had to ask him if they'd hire me to pick some berries. And then, after he said yes, he told me when I had to be there and, and how it all worked and how I got paid. But then I had to be accountable and I had to show up on time. I had to make my own lunch. I had to get out of bed and on time and, and go to work at 11 years old. And I learned something really important that year. I learned a sense of independence that year. I learned that I could rely on myself. I learned that I could provide for my own needs somewhat. I learned that, that, that feeling that you get when you put in the time And then that feeling when you receive that financial reward, making my own money. And then that next level thinking kicks in. And this happens when you achieve something, doesn't it? Wow, I did this. Can I do this now? I don't have to wear the same pair of jeans for two years, putting patches on top of patches on my knees anymore. No, I could just work a little bit and, and provide value for someone and then get compensated for that. And then I could go buy a nice shirt and a new pair of pants and maybe some cool shoes for my first day of school. And I started to become more aware of things. My eyes opened up, I started to notice things. And then I started chicken catching to make money. I would work through the night, go to school in the morning, probably getting, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably be smelt not so great. <laughs> Working in a chicken barn all night, even though I showered, but who knows what was still kind of on me. Scratches all over my arms from the chickens. But I went to school because school was important. I was really tired, but it was only a day of being tired and I would catch up on my sleep. The $5 an hour I got was worth it. Minimum wage at the time is about two fifty, So this was double that. And I'd come home with $40 cash after eight hours of catching chickens and that was a lot of money back then then eventually I came up with a few other ways to make some money before I was old enough to actually get hired in a job legally which was 15 at the time um, I'd go to the post office. I'd put up a letter with my phone number on it offering to mow people's lawns. And my parents didn't even know I was doing this. They were both working. I'd tie a rope around the handle of the lawnmower and then around the seat of my bicycle and then I'd, I'd bring my lawnmower to people's houses and I'd mow their lawns. And sometimes the ladies would give me some lunch. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know? but, but once I understood the, the value of trading time for money, I, I, I got a little more creative. My motivation at the time was to be able to buy cassettes to make mixed tapes and, and maybe buy some clothes so that I can impress the girls at school. And, and my goals weren't that lofty at 12 and 13, but they were my goals, you know? And you see, this was an advantage that would later serve me in life, later in life. Because during those days, I, I didn't really realize it, but I did realize it. But I never paid real attention to it. But I started to understand the gravity of it at that age. All of my friends had money. Their parents would buy the clothes for them. They, they always seemed to be able to do whatever they wanted. They got to go skiing. They had ski equipment. The idea of even spending hundreds of dollars on ski equipment just for something that you would do once in a while just didn't make sense to me. And then you had to drive and you had to pay to go skiing. Like That was just so much money in my mind. They had the nice Adidas shoes that were cool at the time. And I had the Zeller's version that was a copycat shoe. I think they were called Sparks with an X at the end. (laughs) I was okay with it for a while, but when my eyes opened up, I started to realize that I could have what they had if I just maybe worked a little bit harder and got a little bit creative. So I began to prioritize, right? Was skiing important to me? Not really. So to me, that would be a waste of money. And at the time of my life, it was much more about sports and clothes and listening to music and maybe being able to buy a new game for my Atari game set once in a while. <laughs> Life was a lot simpler back then. One memory that really sticks out was being able to ride my bike to McDonald's on a Saturday or a Sunday morning with my brother Steve to buy ourselves breakfast, an egg McMuffin meal with orange juice. And, and then we would ride back home afterwards. There was just something so satisfying about that. It it wasn't mom and dad taking us out for a special treat to McDonald's. It was me taking my brother to McDonald's as a treat. And I tell you that Egg McMuffin tasted amazing after an eight mile bike ride in the morning. I actually remember that feeling. I can taste it right now talking about it that sense of accomplishment that the hash brown patty man we love those hash brown patties we thought it was the best invention ever the crunch the flavor it was hot and sometimes it would burn your tongue a little bit sometimes when it was finished we we immediately craved another one (laughs) so we would take really small bites and just kind of relish every bite to make it last as long as possible savoring every moment after all i mean i just paid for that myself with my hard earned money and you know, that simple moment, that simple, insignificant act of buying an egg McMuffin meal as a 12 year old boy, that was just like, that was monumental to me. That self-satisfaction, that that pride even. I was proud that I was able to buy my own egg McMuffin meal. I didn't need to beg my parents to go to McDonald's for breakfast, I just decided independently that I was gonna treat myself and my brother and we went on our own. I had five bucks in my pocket, we hopped in on our bikes and we took matters into our own hands. That sense of control, that sense of being a provider, that sense of accomplishment would stick with me. That was 40 years ago now. And I look back on that and I see where some patterns were kind of built. I've, I've got a lot of stories of growing up poor and lots of funny little you know things to talk about, but there's a, there's a lot of positive And and there's also quite a few negative memories as well. As the oldest of three boys, I experienced the the burden of money stress. And I think I I carried that more than my brothers. My mom would come to me and, and ask for help all the time to make dinners or do house cleaning. She taught me how to clean toilets. I remember witnessing harsh arguments between my parents. I remember the look in my father's eyes during those early 80s. That was a tough time, very stressful time. He was a beaten man. He was he was carrying a load that was just, it seemed too heavy for him to bear. And and so the way he dealt with it, he would just disappear to the local bar for hours, just drinking away the stress, you know? And it drove my mother nuts. He would tell us that he was going to go get a newspaper from the store when my mom was out working. And, and then we would just be home alone for hours and hours and hours while my mom was working at Woolworths my dad had a drinking problem and that was always a big stress in our family and, and that's why i think i don't really drink much i have no problem with drinking i don't have an issue with it um you know i don't have a problem with other people drinking like that's not the issue it's just i i'm not against drinking but i never i never want to take I, I never want that to take precedence in my life or affect my ability to perform at my best and I think what I witnessed as a young boy creating a sense, it, it, it created a, a sense of ambition in me, you know? The early 80s was super stressful for my parents. The interest rates for their mortgage was so high that they could barely pay the feed bill. Imagine that feeling of knowing that if you work harder, there's no result. There's no benefit. You just have to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. And you're on, this, you're on this hamster wheel that you just can't get off. There's no tangible benefit for working harder. This farm now becomes like an albatross. It just became like this heavy burden on my dad. It just felt like a lost cause to him, I think. And I think he felt like it was out of his control. So what did he do? Well, he just allowed the stress to paralyze him mentally. And and I saw it, I, I noticed it. So I think when I had that sudden realization of being able to control my own financial destiny a little bit, I think I became empowered by that. The the seed of that was then planted at that time as a 12 year old boy. I consciously or unconsciously made a decision as a 12 year old boy that I would never have to, I would never have fights with my wife about financial stress. I remember thinking about that. I remember making that decision. And, and I remember having that thought, I'm never gonna be like that. I don't wanna have that happen in my marriage. And I would never just give up and just lie down and allow the burden to bury me. I would never want to be a disappointment to my wife and children. I, I would never want that to happen. That that became a huge pain point in, in me. I didn't ever, ever, ever want my kids to see that look that I saw in my dad's eyes. I did never wanted them to see that in my eyes, ever. That kind of look of surrender that glazed over beaten man look. They would never see it no matter what. My mom was a fighter so I think I got a little bit of that from her. She worked her butt off and I think she felt like a one-man army at times. Her husband was giving up so she had to take care of us. She worked the farm, she took on a job to make ends meet, she enlisted my help. We all had chores to do, we were poor but our needs were met, we had a garden, we had animals on the farm. We had cattle and pigs and chickens and a milk cow. So we always had lots of food. We were poor, but the freezer was full. But it was a lot of work to keep everything going. So my mom would come to me as the oldest to help out the family. So I had more responsibilities than my brothers. And and we were home alone a lot when my dad went on his escapades. So again, that feeling of independence, that self-reliance, the idea of, if it's meant to be, it's up to me kind of attitude. And this would be ingrained in my psyche from those early days. And I would actually have to kind of address that later on in life because that'll only serve you so far. I'm not going to get into that in this episode. I'm going to carry on with the independence thing because that is super important and that's super empowering. So, you know, it's I, I think it's important to think like a farmer in business. Very important. And in, in and a lot of things that I talk about, and if you've been following me for a while, or if you've been taking the course, or if you've read the book, or um, listened to quite a few episodes, you'll hear me talk a lot about planting seeds. And, and that's super important because that's kind of the farmer mentality, isn't it? You can't control a lot of things in business, and especially the real estate business, but you can you can control the planting. Meeting people, planting seeds. That's your job. It's that simple really, all the time. But. There's other aspects that come from the farmer too, right? When, it, when it's time to bale the hay and collect it, that's non-negotiable. You have to do it. When it's time to harvest, you harvest. You go to work. If your neighbor who helped you last time during harvest asks you to help, then you step up and you help. You don't make excuses. You harvest, you work, you do it unconditionally. Your word is your bond. Excuses mean nothing. You have to feed the animals at the same time every day. You have to clean the pens. You have to pick the eggs. You have to milk the cow. You have to maintain your equipment. When a cow is pregnant and she's having the calf, well, you have to be there to make sure everything turns out all right. If that calf dies, if something happens in that birth, that's an enormous loss to a farmer. The eggs have to be washed and they have to be sorted and they have to be put into crates for pickup on Thursday morning. There's no negotiation there. There's no excuses allowed. Your fences have to be maintained. If animals get out, it can be costly and they could get hurt. When you're selling eggs to the neighbors and you, you have to be there and your supply has to be there for them too. If a neighbor brings over an apple pie from their apple harvest, then you bring over a strawberry rhubarb pie from your, your harvest as a return of the favor, right? These are all kind of unwritten rules, but they're rules. The two laws that I talk about all the time in my book in my course and everything in this podcast, the law of sowing and reaping, You reap what you sow, right? That's a law. It's like gravity. And that's where the lesson of planting seeds comes from. But the other law is the law of reciprocity. You got to give before you get, right? Find ways to benefit others, and they will in turn do things that will benefit you. But it's not a waiting game or a scorekeeping exercise. Everything has to be done unconditionally. Our society puts conditions on everything these days, doesn't it? Everyone's always keeping score. Don't keep score. Just don't. Just do it. Think outside of yourself, do unto others as you would have them do to you. These laws are to be practiced continuously in your life. Find ways to give value to others. Your compensation is in direct proportion to the amount of people and the intrinsic value that you give to others. Give value, give it unconditionally. I've been offering free coaching, you may or may not know this, since October 2021, nine months now at the time of this recording, and I'm going to keep doing it. People have come and gone. I know I've given a lot of value to real estate agents all over North America, and I know that it's free. So maybe some people don't feel the pain so much when they miss a session because they didn't pay for it. Or maybe they prioritize something else on a Thursday morning. That's okay. I don't have conditions. If you want some value, if you want to become successful, if you want to learn some tips and tricks that are applicable right now in today's market, if you want to get a little bonus once in a while from stuff that I've created for the course, all for free, I'm there every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And all you have to do is get on the invite list, which is super easy, and then you just show up. The invite list, just hit the link um, in this podcast. Uh, I've got a link for that and you can just head there anytime. Get on the list and you'll get an invite and you can show up. That's all you got to do. It's super simple. No money. There's no other obligation. There's no selling. I'm not promoting anything. I'm not trying to recruit you. (laughs) None of that's going on. I give one hour a week to the real estate community and people can choose to take advantage of it or not. No conditions. Other than... You have to be a licensed real estate agent or someone who's studying to become a licensed real estate agent anywhere in the world and the time though is non-negotiable 10 a.m to 11 a.m every thursday now i have a youtube channel too over 100 videos there for you totally free i have this podcast i do two episodes a month now it's the best i can do i'm super busy I'm working with agents all over North America and selling real estate to take care of my family. I spent three years of my life to create a comprehensive course for new agents. It's there, go get it anytime you want. Crazy price. Go to forexformula.com, super easy to sign up. Do the lessons on your own time, do them over and over again if you want. It's lifetime membership for one fee. That's it, you're a lifer. (laughs) More lessons are coming all the time and you get those for free. I don't charge any more when I throw them in. You just get them as a member, one time fee. That's it. Get lifetime access. Easy. I wrote a book and I threw it on Amazon. It's there. 25 bucks. Go get it (laughs) print. And I printed a bunch of copies too. And I have them with me all the time. And if we ever meet to talk about real estate, I'll probably give you a book. I'm just going to keep on giving and I'm going to keep on giving. And I know one day it's going to pay off. One day I'm going to help enough people that the compensation will come. And that's all I worry about. I worry about what I can control. I encourage you to do this in your business. Think like a farmer. Think about how you can serve, how you can give. What is something tangible that you can do for people to inspire them to want to work with you? But do it unconditionally. Do it with no expectation. Just continue to creatively think up, conjure up, come up with ways to help others. When you're speaking to someone in an open house, think about what they need. Think about them. Be genuine, be authentic, be you, but be interested. Be genuinely interested in others. And more than that, be interested in what they're concerned with, what challenges they need to overcome, their pain points, and creatively come up with solutions for these people, and you will never run out of leads. You will never be looking for business. You will never have to spend a bunch of money on billboards and radio ads and door hangers to get business. I'm not putting any of those things down, but your best advertising or promotion or mind share creation in your community is to be active in your community and and watch what happens. Be inspired to help others and watch how inspired they are to help you in your business. You will never have to ask for referrals because you're already gonna be top of mind, already with them, inspire the hire. You will never be competing for business. You will never be begging for business, but you have to think like a farmer. And that's the lesson today. Be accountable, be self-reliant, think independently. No one else is responsible for your success or failure. Don't look to your office to be your lead source. Don't look to anyone else or anything else to be your lead source for business. Rely on your own activity and your own efforts to make that happen, make it happen. Don't wait for it to happen, make it happen. This is incredibly empowering. The success tastes so much sweeter. You can survive any market conditions, any world catastrophe or any pandemic or any financial crisis when you have people that have your back. And when you've created an army of people that know who you are and know what you stand for and know how accountable you are and how you give unconditionally, you will never be looking for business. The harvest will be plentiful. The seeds will germinate and pop up at the most unexpected times. Seeds you planted three years ago will burst open and someone's gonna call you out of the blue. Hey, remember me? And you're gonna say, heck yeah, I remember you, how are you? and on and on it goes. But it doesn't happen overnight, it's a long game. I've created ways for you to get business fast, for sure, in the course, I've done that. To help you focus, to help you work smart and hard at the same time, to maximize results and multiply results. That's super important, you gotta do that. And I've done that for you in the course, but it's important to be playing the long game at the same time. And it's not easy, it's hard work. But once the momentum gets going, once you get momentum going, Momentum is your best friend. It can't be stopped once it gets going. Momentum is your best friend in the real estate business and that is my hope for you. Go to forexformula.com, learn more about what I do for agents, plug into the YouTube channel. I'm now starting to post coaching sessions on there too. And as always, you can watch some of the Kelly's Truck Talks and you know, all of you that have been listening for a while and already subscribed to the channels and, and the YouTube channel, and some people are listening today are actually in the course and or maybe you've bought the book, all of you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. I hope you get inspired by a bit of my story today. I hope you got inspired. I, You know, perhaps you relate. Perhaps you don't relate at all to my childhood, but maybe it's revealed something in you that you now know or realize. Who knows? But I just hope that you got some sort of benefit out of today's podcast. And that's it for today. Go out there. Make a great day. Hi, new agents. I'm here to save you a lot of time and get you making money fast. Listen up. Timing is everything, right? And this is right now. Pertinent information for you right now at this moment in time. The pandemic is coming to a place now where we're all getting back to normal. People are out there heading to open houses again. How do you maximize these opportunities? Are you? The market is starting to shift. Less multiple offers. Buyers are starting to have some choices now as the inventory is starting to increase and sellers are seeing their homes on the market a little bit longer, but this is okay. This is normal. And that's an enormous opportunity for you. And this is where being a professional real estate agent who operates properly with the right knowledge and activities and strategies so no time is wasted and you get to commission quickly, confidently, winning business, from your competitors is the key now because these other people have been making money in real estate by plunking signs in the ground and then thinking that they're fantastic marketing specialists. This is where the rubber meets the road right now. Some of you could not get a listing to save your life over the last year and then when you finally had a buyer, you'd get beat out on eight to 10 deals before actually finally getting that buyer an accepted offer if you got lucky or You lost that buyer because they got sick and tired of the craziness. How many were not selling their homes because they didn't think that they could buy at the time? It's more important than ever right now to know how to position yourself as a professional who knows what they're doing, gaining massive mind share in the community. You need to know how to attract the opportunities and the leads, and then you need to be amazing at converting those leads into commission checks. I created an online course that is changing the game for new real estate agents because while everyone is trying to figure out how to be a social media superstar, but not actually meeting clients to help them buy or sell, you're going to be filling your calendar with appointments, meeting people in person, making contacts and signing contracts. Everyone out there is told to do fruitless activities without a plan. And they wonder why nothing is working and that's not their fault. There's a lot to teach new agents. There's a lot. Nobody has time to teach you properly. It's totally true. Unless you spend over $10,000 per year on a coach or invest in proper training that's affordable, you know, that's why 13% of you are are gonna maybe make it. And 87% of you are falling through the cracks. You need an edge, an advantage. You need training that is specific actionable and easy to apply, to get results fast. There's never been a a trick to making a lot of money in anything. Real estate's no different. There's skills and mindsets and strategies and tools and planning involved to make a lot of money in real estate. That's no secret. It doesn't happen by accident or, or happenstance. You can't rely on your sphere of influence to make a living. You can't. Door knocking or cold calling is not the solution for quick commissions, either. Let's face it, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of confusion out there, and that's why I created the Quick Commission Accelerator course. I teach you how to uncover the most profitable sales in your marketplace right now. And then I'm gonna teach you how to go out there and I'm gonna teach you how to get it. And then I'm gonna give you all the skill sets, strategies, scripts, letters to ensure that you win the business every time. Like my one-page listing presentation strategy, that's going to put your competition to shame. And then you're going to apply the power of a 4X formula and put it to work. Because now as we move to the balanced market, you're going to be able to 4X your business. What's the 4X formula? Well, here it is in a nutshell. I teach you everything that you need to know to get your first listing in as fast as 28 days. And then leverage that listing to earn your next 40 deals in as fast as 12 months. You're literally only one listing away. The timing is perfect. Hit the button below to learn more and start building your business now. Yeah, building a business. Let all those other agents run around trying to be salespeople, utilizing a frantic, scattered approach while you're building a business with a solid, actionable plan. Build a business. It's a huge difference. And I talk about that inside the course. Go to 4xformula.com and get started today.